You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. We are in 1 Samuel chapter 7. You might remember that the Ark of the Covenant has been captured by the Philistines as they were victorious over the Israelites in battle. Hophni and Phinehas were killed in that battle, and the Lord's word to Eli came true as God's word always comes true. But God, in His grace, brought the Ark back to the children of Israel, and it was brought to Beth Shemesh, where the people of Beth Shemesh and probably the surrounding area as well opened that mercy seat, the lid that goes on the ark to look inside, which was in direct violation of God's law, and therefore they died. Because when we look into the law, it's not a good thing. The law kills. It condemns us to death because we're all guilty. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when we just keep that mercy seat on, Jesus Christ, the mercy seat, hallelujah, things are good. We're covered in the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. And so God brought this Ark of the Covenant back to Beth Shemesh, but they weren't happy after a bunch of their people died. And so they said, hey, we're going to send this on to the next town. And so they called to the people of Kirjath-Jerim, a neighboring village, and said, can you guys come and take the ark? Without telling them what had happened to them, apparently. Now, 1 Samuel 7, verse 1 is where we pick up. It says, then the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep, or to guard and protect, the ark of the Lord. In verse 2, so it was that the ark remained in Kirjath-Jerim a long time. It was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So even though the ark is back, the people are still sensing a distance from God, a farness from Him that they're not experiencing His presence and they're not experiencing His favor. The Philistines are oppressing them. They have to pay their tribute and some of their towns are in ruins and the Philistines have taken others of their towns and it's not a happy time in Israel as this foreign power has them under their thumb. And so they're lamenting after the Lord. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you miss your closeness with God, where you begin to long, you begin to hunger and to thirst for His presence, because there was a day when you were really close to Him, and your devotion times were were powerful, and God was ministering to you, and He was speaking to you, and it was such a, a special time, and then you go through a time of dryness, perhaps. Perhaps it was because you've walked away. Whenever we're far from God, it's not because He's moved. It's because we've moved. But sometimes God is near, but we just don't feel the closeness. And he's saying, you just got to trust me through this, that I'm close. And stay diligent in our Christian disciplines, cracking open the word daily, praying, being in fellowship, 
And just because we don't feel it doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. But there are those times where we walk away from God because we're drawn after something else, a false god, an idol. We become lovers of ourselves rather than lovers of God. We take Him off the throne and we put ourselves on the throne. And then if we're really Christians, we're, we're going to miss Him. Our hearts are going to long for Him. And as King David wrote in the Psalms, that his, his heart yearns after the Lord as a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longs after you, Lord. I've been there. Boy, I've been there where I just felt distant from the Lord and I missed His touch and I missed His presence in my life. And I was just, I pursued it, man. I'm like, God, I need you. I need your touch and I need your presence. And, and that kind of continues to happen in, in little spurts even throughout the week for me. It's like, wow, I started my day too quick and I didn't take that time to pray and spend time in the Word and I just jumped out of bed and got right into it. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I miss you. I'm sorry. And then we take our time. We step back from what we're doing and we spend time with the Lord and ask for His presence and acknowledge Him. And so they lamented after the Lord. This is a good place to be because God, you know, He will purposely sometimes in our lives build that hunger and build that thirst so that He can come in and satisfy the hunger and quench the thirst. And so verse 3, it says, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, if you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve Him only, and He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Look, there is a pathway here. There is hope for you. You don't have to think that God has abandoned you forever. But there's a pathway back to him, and here Samuel is giving it to the people. He says, number one, return to the Lord with all your hearts. This was an inward thing. You see, God works from the inside out. It begins with the heart. If you skip the heart step, it's just religion. You go into, straight into behavior, into the do's and the don'ts. And it's cold, hard religion going through motions and thinking that will appease God. When he says, no, we need a heart change. And I want to come in and I want to work on your heart. And so he says, hey guys, return to the Lord with all your hearts. Then, then after the inward change, we have then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you. You see, the children of Israel, when they were brought into the promised land by the Lord, they had been warned. It was even in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. Do not make for yourselves graven images to bow down and to worship them. But they fell into being influenced by the neighboring nations who were into idol worship. And so they would make their little gods, their little idols, out of stone and out of wood and set them up in their homes, and, and, and they would have their festivals each year of, uh, you know, dancing and carousing and things like that. 
and it mentions the Ashtoreths here, and Ashtoreth was the goddess of fertility, of war, and of sexual love. And so their, you know, their celebrations, their worship of her involved these activities. And so it was like pornography of today, or it was like the strip club of today, things like that, where there's this worship of the creature rather than the creator, and they set up their, their false gods, and instead of having images like pornography, they would make their little statue of the naked person. And so no different than today, we just don't recognize it specifically as the worship of idols and false gods, but we're here to tell you that that's what it is. And they were including this along with their worship of God. And we as Christians have to be careful of that, not to worship God and think it's okay to pull in these other idols as well. And so the encouragement from Samuel, hey, is put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you. And then what? Prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve Him only. Him only. It was so good. Uh, this morning, we're listening to Stephen Furtick in the morning, and, uh, and he was talking about this very thing is to prepare our hearts is to make room to receive. Make room to receive. And he quoted 1 Peter 2, 1. I'm going to read it to you today. We don't have it on the screen for you. It says, therefore, laying aside, make room, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? Do you know that he loves you? Oh, he displayed his love for you in that while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. That was an amazing, incredible display of love. And so Samuel says, hey, return to the Lord with all your heart. Put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths. Prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve Him only. And He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Man, the hand of the enemy, the hand of the devil and of his demons. He will deliver you. Verse 4, so the children of Israel put away the Baals or the graven images, is the male counterpart of the Ashtoreths. They put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and served the Lord, only they did it. You see, they heard the Word of God. Now remember, it's been about 20 years here of oppression from the enemy. And Samuel, you know he wasn't quiet during that time. He was just having a rough ministry. <laughs> but he was praying for them the people, and he was preaching to the people. Twenty years of tough ministry before finally the people listen to what he has to say because God's stirring something in their hearts in the midst of their lamenting for the Lord. He's growing their hunger and their thirst, and then Samuel comes along and says, here's how you can get the food and the water, friends. And they listen and they do it. That is repentance. 
Repentance is the, the living out of the word that you hear from God. And that's why James says, don't be hearers only of the word, but doers. And so they did it. Verse 5 then, and Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah. Look, let's come together and have revival. And I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And so they took the water that is representative of the Holy Spirit, and they poured it out as a drink offering before the Lord, and they fasted. They say, we love you more, God. We love you more than the delicacies and the yummies. And we're going to take time to abstain from that and focus on you and focus on repentance and focus on prayer. And so they did. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. He's discerning right from wrong. You see, as a leader in Israel, whom they consented to that leadership, they would come to him and say, Samuel, my neighbor killed my dog, and I'm super mad. And then he would, find, he would hear their dispute, and he would judge according to the law and according to the discernment that would, God would give him. So he was a judge in Israel. And now in verse 7, it says, Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Now, I don't know, but perhaps the Philistines had some kind of law against them gathering, right? No public assembly, because then you get all kinds of problems, and governments don't like that. Get together, assemble, people get, you know, riotous and nasty and come up with a, a battle plan, and then you're in trouble. And so here they, you know, the Philistines here, they're all gathered together at Mizpah. Oh, man, they're not supposed to do that. Let's go get them. And so now the children of Israel are, are terrified that these Philistines are going to come and butcher them. You know, they've heard of the stories from their parents and the older people remember the slaughter of the 30,000 and that was no good. And so they're, they're cry they say to Samuel, hey, don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us. I love that they knew that Samuel had been doing that. And so they say, hey, keep doing that, Samuel. Keep crying out to the Lord for us. That, that God might save us from the hand of the Philistines, from the hand of our enemies. Do you know that there is a devil and there are demons and they hate you and they're more powerful than you and you would not be able to stand against them at all were it not for a more powerful force and that is Jesus Christ. That is God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And Jesus has all authority, even the authority over the devil and the demons. And so when we are attacked by the enemy who hates our souls, our only hope is to cry out to God who can save us. Because you can't fight the enemy. And you certainly can't fight him in the natural because he is a supernatural being. And therefore, we need to fight him in the spiritual. And we go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we learn about the weapons of our warfare and how we can fight the devil. 
And that's a whole different sermon. So we get to verse 9 now. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. I love this burnt offering, a whole burnt offering. There were different kinds of offerings that we learn about in the book of Leviticus. And one of them was the burnt offering, which was the oldest kind of offering that there was. Most likely, Abel, back in Genesis chapter 4, offered a whole burnt offering of a lamb to the Lord, and it was acceptable to God. It was acceptable. We know for sure in Genesis chapter 8 that Abraham offered a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And this is where they would simply sacrifice the animal. They would actually drain its blood first, and then they would skin it. And according to the law, the hide of the animal would go to the priest, and then they would take Uh, the rest of the animal and chop it up into pieces, put it on the altar, and it would burn before the Lord. The smoke would go up, and it was a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord if it was done in faith, you see, and in true repentance. Then God would receive it just like we smell a barbecue in the backyard and go, yeah, Oh, yeah, bring on the brisket, baby. Well, that's the Lord, but it's in a spiritual sense as these sacrifices would be given in faith. You see, Jesus fulfilled this sacrifice as His life was totally consumed on the cross. You remember His outer garment. You can think of it like His skin. You know, they they gambled for it. The soldiers did, and it was given away. He ascended to God a sweet-smelling aroma to the Father, and atoned for our sins. This is pictured in the Bible in Judges chapter 13. If you'd like to take some time right now and turn to Judges chapter 13, I love this story. It's one of those kind of obscure stories in the Bible that are so fun to look at. And it's the story of Samson's parents. You see, they were childless, they were barren, but an angel came to who would be Samson's mom, and said, you're going to have a child, you're going to become pregnant, but you are to consecrate this child to the Lord from the womb and take on the Nazarite vow. Don't cut his hair, and he's not to have any alcohol, and even when you're pregnant, no alcohol. Consecrated entirely to the Lord. Well, Manoah, who was to be Samson's father, when he heard about this visitation from the angel, he's like, I want to see an angel. (laughs) It's not fair. And so he said, you know, let's pray and ask God. Maybe this angel will come back. And the angel came back and reiterated the message to Manoah and then did something really cool. And so we're here in Judges 13, 16, And it says, and the angel of the Lord. Notice how the word angel is capitalized there. And the writers do that when they believe that this is an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament because the word angel simply means messenger. And so Jesus himself can be a messenger from the Lord God, the Father. And so the angel came and said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food because he was offering him food. They wanted him to hang around a little bit. But, he says, if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. Because there's a lot of other gods that he might think to offer it to. But you see, he's saying, no, no, I'm a messenger of the one true God. 
not Baal, not Ashtoreth, none of these, offer it to him. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Verse 17, then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? That when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Ooh, I love that. There's your connection to Jesus. We're told in Isaiah that he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 19, so Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord, and he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And Manoah thought, I'm going to die because I saw God. But his wife, who was wiser than he, said, you idiot. If he was going to kill you, you'd be dead by now. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I love that part. Sorry we didn't read it. You'll have to go back and read it yourself, Judges 13. And so this is such a neat picture then as the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, foreshadowing his sacrifice, being the whole burnt offering, steps in, puts himself on the altar, and then up he goes into heaven, just like Jesus ascended into heaven, a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. And we too are to offer the sacrifices. But first, Ephesians 5.2, Ephesians 5.2, it says, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So there you have it in the scriptures. Jesus is the whole burnt offering, the sacrifice. Now, what about our part? Let's take a look at Philippians 4.18. It says, indeed, I have all and abound. And this is uh, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. He says, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. So the church at Philippi sent the Apostle Paul some things as he was in prison in Rome that he needed. And then what does he call those things? He says, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And so the provision that was given to Paul in his need by the church was called a sacrifice, and it was pleasing to the Lord as God received it as a sweet-smelling aroma. And so we too, as we take care of the needs of our friends and our family and those around us, anybody that we see in need, as we give that sacrifice, then God is well pleased with that. Hebrews 13, 15 it says, therefore, by him, Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We can do this in prayer, as just in our prayer time. You know, Jesus did this in the model prayer. He said, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. <laughs> Give praise to the Lord. Even the secular psychologists say, hey, if you want to be happier and have more joy and happiness in your life, be grateful. Have some gratitude and actually take time 
and, and list the things that you're thankful for instead of always focusing on the things that are a bummer in life that you don't have, that you wish you had, that you used to have but you don't anymore, the weather that you really wanted but it's not happening. And they say, hey, focus on the positive and you'll be happier. Well, here we give God the sacrifice of praise, and it is a sacrifice sometimes because we get comfortable with the familiar even if the familiar is negative and Eeyore, you know, down looking, you know. And it, it takes effort to go, you know what? I am not going to stay here. I am going to give praise and thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ right now for all of the blessings that I enjoy. I'm going to count my blessings. I'm going to name them one by one, and I'm going to praise God. Praise you, God. You're amazing. You're wonderful. Yeah, I'm sick right now, and I'm throwing up every 20 minutes, but I give you praise and thanks, and I worship you. Thank you that you took the pain, and this pain's nothing compared to what you did on the cross for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that even if I die from this sickness, I get to go to heaven and be with you forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.